0: Thank you for tuning in to Locked On Mariners, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Here's your host, D.C. Lundberg. Thank you very much, Joey. Another Saturday edition here on Locked On Mariners, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, or T-L-O-P-N, or Tlopn. Please remember to download, rate, and subscribe to this program on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, or whichever podcast you it's to do personally care to use ask your smart device to play locked on mariners podcast or any program here on Tloppin. follow us on twitter at lo underscore mariners follow me on twitter at dc underscore lundberg l-u-n-d-b-e-r-g if you are scoring at home yeah, another Saturday edition of this program, gang. I apologize. I just can't seem to buy a break this week. Hopefully things are starting to fall into place. Nothing really bad has happened, just kind of a lot, including some car trouble. Um, I've had some something of an illness this week. I I know you guys don't care, but that is why this show is late. We're going to talk about the 1987 World Series today, which took place in 1987. Okay. <laughs> Wow! Anyways, this was between the Minnesota Twins and St. Louis Cardinals. That uh, previous comment does not bode well on how this show is going to go today. Hopefully I get it together. This is the first World Series, ladies and gentlemen, in which one team had been outscored during the regular season. And that team was the Minnesota Twins, who finished with an 85-77 and record, which was good enough for first place in the West that year. Detroit won the Eastern Division at 98-64. and As a matter of of fact, there were four teams in the East who had better records than the Western Division winner. Detroit at 98 and 64, as we mentioned. Toronto was 96 and 66. Uh, Milwaukee, 91 and 71, and the Yankees were 89 and 73. Minnesota, again, 85 and 77, a two-game lead over the Kansas City Royals at season's end. They would play those Detroit Tigers in the American League Championship Series, and they would beat them 4-1. to one. Minnesota was not what you would call a stacked team. Offensively, they did the little things right. They got the timely hit, and they just knew how to play good fundamental baseball. Yes, they had superstar Kirby Puckett. Yes, they had some very good RBI men in Kent Herbeck, Gary Gaetti, and Tom Bernanski. But they played good, crisp, sound fundamental baseball, and that can be attributed to their manager, first year manager, Tom Kelly, who would also lead them to the 1991 title. On the pitching side, they also were not all that deep there. Frank Viola had a fabulous season. 36 starts, 290 ERA, 251 and two-thirds innings pitched. Burt Blylevin was on their staff as well. He was probably their second best starter. 37 games started, 401 ERA. And then it was 28-year-old rookie Les Straker, who had a 437 ERA. Mike Smithson did not have a very good season. Joe Necro did not have a very good season. And their bullpen was hit or miss also. However, Jeff Reardon may be the best closer of his day outside of Lease. Smith. On the National League side it was the St. Louis Cardinals who finished the regular season with a record of 95 and 67. They'd play the San Francisco Giants in the National League Championship Series and that series went all 7 games. In fact the MVP of that series was a Giant future Mariner Jeffrey Leonard. The Cardinals came into the World Series somewhat hobbled as they were missing star first baseman Jack Clark and star third baseman Terry Pendleton who would later win an MVP award. They would be replaced by Jim Lindemann and Tom Lawless respectively. There's a story about Tom Lawless that I'll uh, tell in the second half of the show. In any case, uh, game one took place on October 17th 1987 in the Metrodome. Frank Viola starting for the Twins against rookie Joe McGrath for the Cardinals. Frank Viola's brother, by the way, got married on this exact day. So it was a big day in the Viola household. First on the board would be the Cardinals in the top of the second inning. Jim Lindeman would lead off with a double and he'd later be driven in on an RBI ground out from catcher Tony Pena. Bottom of the fourth inning, everything changed. Gary Gaetti led off with a single. Don Baylor singled and Tom Bernanski singled to load the bases. That brought up Minnesota native Kent Herbeck who would hit a ground ball up the middle scoring both Gaetti and Baylor giving the twins a 2-1 to lead. Steve Lombardozzi would then walk and McGrain was finished. He'd be replaced by Bob Forsch, who immediately gave up an RBI single, to Tim Laudner, who had hit 191 in the regular season. Bases are still loaded for twins leadoff hitter Dan Gladden not known as a power hitter, did all the little things right. Typical Minnesota twin, and I mean that in the best way possible. Well, guess what, gang? Gladden Parks won over the left center field wall, sending Grandma to the kitchen to break out the rye bread and the mustard for a grand salami and a 7-1 to one Twins lead. Seven runs scored this inning before an out was recorded. They would not score again until the bottom of the fifth, however, on a Steve Lombardozzi two-run home run. The Mighty Might's kind of muscling up in this game. Dan Gladden would later add another RBI on a double to score Lombardozzi in the seventh inning for a 10-1 lead, which wound up being the final. St. Louis pitching did not fare very well. Joe McGrade, three innings, four hits, five runs, all earned, four walks, and a strikeout. Bob Force three innings, four hits, four runs, all of them earned, two walks, and two home runs. Ricky Horton, two innings, three hits, one run it was earned, and one strikeout. Viola, on the other hand, did exactly what you would expect. 8 innings, 5 hits, 1 run, it was earned no walks and 5 strikeouts Keith Atherton pitched the final inning. Twins would also take game 2 and they would be on the board first in the second inning on a Gary Gaetti home run so somebody you would expect to hit a home run does in this case and in the bottom of the 4th inning they'd have another big inning. Same inning in which they went off in the last game. Designated hitter Randy Bush, who usually came off the the bench later in the game as a pinch hitter, but started today. A uh, two run double, scoring Puckett and Herbeck. Later on in the inning, Tim Laudner, yes, Tim Laudner once again, a two run single to score Gaetti and Bush. Dan Gladden then hits an RBI single to score Brunansky. Uh, Danny Cox is done at that point. Starting pitcher Danny Cox is pulled in favor of Lee Tunnel, who promptly gives up an RBI double to Greg Gagne. 7 nothing is the Twins lead at this point in the game. Cardinals yeah, sort of answer back in the next half frame. Top of the fifth inning, Tonya Pena with another RBI ground out. This scored Terry Pendleton, who was, as I said, injured going into the series, but he was DHing today. He could swing left-handed. He could not swing the bat right-handed, and he could not run very well. But he starts today. And, and scores a run. Bottom of the sixth inning, the Twins get that run back with a home run from guess who? Yeah, Tim Laudner, the man who hit 191 in the regular season. He'd actually make the All-Star team next year. Good defensive catcher. Not, not all that much offensively, but he gets that run back for an 8 one's twin. 8-1 Twins lead, pardon me. Top of the 7th inning, Tony Pena with another RBI. This one a single to center field to score Kurt Ford. However, Jose Okendo got caught in a rundown between 3rd base and home plate, and he's out to end that inning. Cardinals would score 2 more in the top of the 8th on a Dan Drees, RBI double and a Willie McGee RBI single. That was it, though, as the final score was 8-4. to four. Scene shifts now to St. Louis for Game three of the series on October 20th, and the pitching matchup this day was John Tudor for the Cardinals, their best left-hander, against 28-year-old rookie Les Straker for the Twins. And Straker wound up doing pretty well. It was given up later by the bullpen, namely Juan Berenguer, which we'll get to in just a little bit. Minnesota got on the board first in the top of the sixth inning on an RBI single from Tom Bernanski to score Gary Gaetti. The aforementioned Juan Berenguer came in to pitch the seventh inning for the Twins. First batter he faced was Jose Okendo, who would single. Tony Pena would then single, and Terry Pendleton would then pinch hit for pitcher John Tudor. He would hit a sacrifice bunt to advance both runners and he was very nearly safe at second base. If he were healthy he probably would have beaten out but as it was it's a sacrifice fly one out and runners on second and third. Vince Coleman would then drive in both runs on a double giving the Cardinals a 2-1 to lead. Coleman would steal third base and then would be scored on an Ozzy Smith RBI single. 3-1 the score at this point. In fact, 3-1 to one was the final score. Cardinals pick up a ball game and they would win game four as well in St. Louis with a 7-2 to two final to even up the series. Frank Viola would uh, start for the Twins. He would not have his best stuff. More on that in a minute as the Twins were actually on the board first in the top of the third inning. A solo home run from shortstop Greg Gagne. Bottom of the frame, the Cardinals would tie it right back up on an RBI single from Jim Lindemann to score Ozzie Smith. And remember, Lindemann was the one who was replacing first baseman Jack Clark. Fourth inning is when the Cardinals would do their stuff. Uh, Tony Pena would lead off the inning with a walk. Jose Okendo would then single. And then Tom Lawless, who was replacing Terry Pendleton at third base, three-run home run with a bat flip to boot, which Lawless said he didn't realize he did until he watched the replay, to give his Cardinals a four-to-one lead. Pitcher Bob Force would then line out, but then uh, Frank Viola would walk Vince Coleman, and that would be the last batter that Viola faced, as Dan Schateter came in to replace Viola. Uh, Schateter would give up an RBI single again to Jim Lindeman, and a two-run double to Willie McGee, for a seven to one Cardinals lead, Twins would get one back in the next frame on a uh, RBI single from Kirby Puckett, scoring Gene Larkin. That's the final in this ball game, gang. A seven to two final. Bob Forsch gets the win in relief for the Cardinals. Greg Matthews had started the game; he only went three and two thirds innings. We're going to take a little bit of a break at this time, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to lead off the second half of this program with that little trivia bit on Tom Lawless that I mentioned at the beginning of the program. Before any of that happens, it's time for a word from Built Bar. Yes, gang, Built Bar, the greatest protein bars in the history of things that are high in protein and low in sugar, calories, and carbohydrates. Not only that, they're covered in 100% real chocolate, and they taste great. They taste as close to a candy bar as a protein bar can get. I love these things, and I do not eat what doesn't taste good. That is recommendation Enough. That's enough of a recommendation, but you gotta try these things for yourself. Do not take my word for it, and you can thank me later. Go to builtbar.com to try these great protein bars for yourself. Don't forget about Built Boost Drink Powder, which, when mixed with hot water, is a great way to relieve a sore throat. Or if you mix it with iced tea, just plain iced tea, you get a great flavored iced tea out of it. And also, Built Go Energy Shots. All this can be found at builtbar.com. And if you try to use promo code Nagareta, Akaichi naze. you know who Earthshaker is, but that code won't work. So use code On instead to get 20% off of your order. Yes, gang, an entire 20% off of your order of the most fantastic protein bars in the history of most fantastic protein bars at BuiltBar.com. Mm-hmm. Got a question or a comment? Send it to LockedOnMariners at gmail.com and we will read it on the air or I will read it on the air or somebody will read it on the air in our in our mailbag episode. Questions or comments on any subject whatsoever, especially since it's the off season. not a whole lot happening right now. Bowling season is going to end Tomorrow, the final two rounds of the PBA playoffs, the quarterfinals, and then the final four, are both happening tomorrow, beginning at 11 a.m. Pacific time on FS1. Four hours worth of coverage. Very excited about that. It's a very exciting event. Remember, Francois Lavoie, who earlier pitched a 300 game in one of the earlier rounds, is still alive and he's got a shot to win this thing. Bill O'Neill, another one of my favorites, is still in it, as well as last year's champion, Chris Prather. So so watch this event and tell me what you think about PBA bowling at LockedOnMariners at gmail.com Yes, indeed. Locked on Mariners will return to finish talking about the night 1987 World Series as soon as I come back from getting a snack. Now back to Locked On Mariners and your host, DC Lundberg. Thanks, J.M. We are talking about the 1987 World Series today on Locked on Mariners. And before we get to games five, six, and seven, little note about Tom Lawless, which I kind of teased at the beginning of the program. He is the source, well, not necessarily source of this rumor. But it was once rumored that heavy metal singer Blackie Lawless once played baseball in the Reds minor league system in the 1970s. That wound up not being true. The source of that confusion was that Tom Lawless did play minor league baseball in the Reds system at that time. I'm not exactly sure how this rumor got started. This was about 10, 15, 20 years ago or so. But Tom Lawless is the one who played in the the Reds system. Blackie Lawless, whose real name is not Lawless, by the way, never played professional baseball, although this was a reasonable rumor to believe at the time. Not only is Blackie the right age to have played minor league baseball in the 1970s, but his uncle was former Major League pitcher Ryan Duren. In fact, Blackie Lawless's real name is Steven Duren. Blackie himself is a baseball fan and keeps up with the games that he can when he's touring the United States and abroad with his band Wasp. Back to the 1987 World Series. We are in Game 5 at this point. Uh, The series is tied at two games apiece, and this Game 5 took place on October 22nd in Bush Stadium. Danny Cox was on the mound for the Cardinals, whose Game 2 start did not go very well, and he was opposed by Burt Blylevin. Neither team would score until the sixth inning when the The Cardinals would have gone on the board for three runs, a two-run single from Kurt Ford, and then Dan Dreesen would score on an error. Jose Okendo hit a ground ball to shortstop Greg Gagne. Gagne booted it. Dreesen scores. No RBI for Okendo, and it's an unearned run. So the Cardinals now have a 3-0 lead at this point, which they would extend to 4-0 in the seventh inning on an RBI single from Ozzie Smith. Twins would get two back in the eighth inning. On a two-run triple from Gary Gaetti, scoring Dan Gladden and Greg Gagne, and that winds up being the final score, 4-2. to two. Cox atoned for his poor Game 2 performance by pitching a solid ballgame here. Seven and a third innings, five hits, three watts, six strikeouts, two runs given up. No home runs hit by either team in this game. Back to the Metrodome for Game 6, with the Cardinals holding a three-games-to-two series lead, and there will be a lot of scoring in this ballgame. On the mound for the Cardinals, John Tudor usually reliable John Tudor opposing Les Straker and the two men would pitch a combined seven innings. Not a good day for the starting pitchers. The uh, Cardinals would be on the board in the top of the very first inning. It was a Tom Herr home run. Twins would score two in the bottom of the first inning, an RBI single from Kirby Puckett and an RBI single from the late Don Baylor. The Cardinals would tie it up in the second inning, an RBI single from Jose Aquendo. 2-2 two to two is the score going into the fourth inning, and the Cardinals would extend their lead on an RBI single from Terry Pendleton and a sacrifice fly from Jose Aquendo. 4-2 cards lead at this point, which they would extend to 5-2 to two on a Willie McGee RBI single in the fifth. Bottom of the fifth inning, the Twins go ahead. Kirby Puckett leads off with a single against new pitcher John Morris. Gary Gaetti immediately drives him in with a single. And then Don Baylor hits a two-run home run to tie the ball game at five apiece. Steve Lombardozzi drove in Tom Brunansky on a single later in the inning to give the Twins a 6-5 to lead. And in the sixth inning, the Twins would bust out once again, all in one swing with Gagne, Puckett, and Baylor on base. Big Kent Herbeck would send Grandma back to the kitchen for another Grand Salami, the Twins' second of the series. It's now a 10-5 Twins lead, and they'd go up 11-5 on an RBI groundout from Brunansky in the eighth inning. 11-5, 11-5, the final in this one. Pitchers need not apply, especially if you're on the St. Louis Cardinals side. That brings up Game 7. Yes, the decisive Game 7, ladies and gentlemen, in the Metrodome on October twenty seventh, 1987, with 55,376 fans packed into the decibel-shattering Thunderdome. Back on the mound for the Twins, Frank Viola, being opposed by Joe McGrain once again in a rematch of Game 1 cardinals would be first on the board top of the second inning rbi single from tony pena and an rbi single from steve lake quick two to nothing lead which would be a two to one lead thanks to steve lombardozzi who drove in tom brunanski on a single in the second inning it's now a two to one cardinals advantage and the twins would tie it up in the fifth with greg Gagne aboard kirby puckett hits a single to drive him in and tie the game Twins would go ahead in the sixth, Greg Gagne being involved one more time, although he'd have the RBI on a single to score Tom Bernanski. 3-2 3-2 to is a score at this point, which they would extend to 4-2 to in the eighth inning on an RBI double from Dan Gladden to score Tim Laudner. Jeff Reardon comes in the game to replace Frank Viola, maybe the best closer of his day, not named Lee Smith. Tom Herr begins by flying out to center field, one away. Kurt Ford pinch hits for Jim Lindemann who pops out to third base. Reardon now just needs one more out to give the Minnesota Twins their first ever World Series championship, and in his way would be speedster Willie McGee who grounds out to third baseman Gary Gaetti to, yes, hand the Twins their very first World Series championship. Remember, gang, this is a team that was outscored in the regular season. A team that did the little things right, had a very, very good manager who knew when to press the right buttons, and a team that, always seemed to get the timely hit. These were not spectacular Minnesota Twins teams, but these are the teams that I like to see play baseball, because they're fundamentally very sound, and they just don't make very many mistakes. This was also the first World Series, ladies and gentlemen, in which the home team won every single game. That had not happened before. MVP of this World Series was Frank Viola, who would win the American League Cy Young Award the following year. That'll do it for today, gang. Again, I'm sorry that this is as late as it was. I hope you enjoyed listening to it. Nonetheless, we're going to be talking more classic World Series next week, and also the awards are starting to trickle in. We, uh, the Mariners, of one tool gold gloves. We'll talk about that next week after all the awards have been announced, and also hopefully next week the mailbag episode next time on this program though looking back at another great world series of the past and here with me to do that will be Arthur Carlson the Kool-Aid man and an electric razor you do not want to miss that one gang Uh, so download rate and subscribe to this program so you never miss an episode Apple podcast Google podcast Spotify Stitcher radio or any podcasting app that may happen to spring to mind look for us there follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Mariners and follow me on Twitter at DC underscore Lundberg thanks again for listening today ladies and gentlemen we'll be back. Back on Monday. Talk to you then. This is Joey Martin speaking for Locked On Mariners, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.